Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and on today's edition of Things That I Preach to Myself About, I'd like to kind of reflect a little bit on a few things that I'm starting to see in the Christian world, as it were. I am a pretty active member on Twitter, and I have to say you you see quite the variety of people, uh, a lot of people proclaiming to be this or that in their Christian walk, and it's just quite fascinating. And I, so as I'm kind of looking at everybody else, and the worst thing you're supposed to do is compare yourself with others, but you know, sometimes it gets me inwardly reflecting. So I, I can't count the number of times over the many years that I've walked on this planet that, that you know, what my whole mind has been solely focused in the world completely unaware of God's presence. You know, I live like I was one that controls all that I say and do. I, I didn't even give a moment's concern of heavenly realms or heavenly things or my future home. So as such, you know, I had that mentality. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I can indulge myself to the satisfactions of the flesh and, you know, even if I had a tinge of guilt or concern that would wash over me, you know, I could dismiss it quickly, you know, never really worrying about the consequences of my activities. After all, for the most part, I, I mean, I really wasn't hurting others, you know, so a little here, a little there really doesn't do much damage at all. It's just a little thing, you know, nothing really bad, you know, like the little white lie, you know, sometimes it's necessary to spare people of a grievous hurt. It's just a minor infraction when measured against all the bigger and badder things people do. So if anything, you know, even like a little white light makes people feel good at the time and there's really no reason to make a fuss. And hey, God understands. Well, you know, those little things we think are harmless when you compare it, especially with the bad in the world, you know, they're, they're small. Say they're like a brick. Okay. Say you do your little bad. Okay, you've got that little brick. You pick it up, you enjoy it, you put it down in front of you, no big deal. Then you pick up another one and you use it, and you enjoy it, you set it down, you know, and all these little bricks just keep coming and, you know, just next thing you know, you've got this really nice little wall, but oh, you got more. So now you got to start stacking to the left and stacking to the right and kind of running out of room. And before you know it, you're completely walled in and all sides by your own desires, deceits, and doings. The wants and the ways that you've been enjoying until now have surrounded you, entrapped you, and are causing misery and anguish because all those little things have now grown into a huge mess that consumes your life. I know, I'm talking from experience here. And it's amazing how those little things you thought were harmless have added up so quickly. Next thing you know, you're drowning. And it just doesn't go away. All because of your little dabblings. Those little sins. Oh, wait. Sins? Did I say sins? Yes, sins. And let me tell you something. There's no degrees or sizes of sins to a holy God. Sin is sin. And it only takes one sin, unrepented sin to keep a person out of heaven. 
That's kind of heavy. When you look at Psalm 15, it says, you know, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And God says, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Well, guess what? I think we all kind of fail that, don't we? And then you say, you know, but God loves us and he understands. He's not going to condemn us for a couple of minor infractions. That's just it, though. Any infraction of any size. Because God is holy and sin is breaking his law, no matter what size. And God cannot permit any type or degree of sin to go unpunished. He will condemn. The Bible clearly says that the wages of sin is death. You can see that in Romans 6.23. And biblical death, by the way, refers to that eternal lake of fire, you know, hell. That's not the place you want to spend forever. And then you say, oh, but Jesus died for our sins so we can all go to heaven. Absolutely he did. Romans 3, 22 and through 24 says that we can have that righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Which is to say He paid the price for our sins on the cross and rose again to make intercession for us to the Father in heaven. But folks, there are conditions. Unfortunately, there are so many of these worldly churches out there that are leaving out huge parts of the Bible. And these are very large, popular churches that feel good churches, all of that. They're leaving out parts that are very important that you need to know. They're leaving out parts that are The ones that say like, you know, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Many, many versions say by no means, but it's really God forbid. And it goes on to say, how can we who died in sin still live in it? That's Romans 6. Now, to continue to build up our wall of sins brick by brick means that we haven't repented. We haven't forsaken the world and turned our lives to God through Christ Jesus. And the Apostle Paul continues on in chapter 6 of that letter in Romans saying, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you over its passions. There's, There's a choice to be made, and there is no middle ground. So in this daily choice, it's it's every day you have to make that choice. We need to be reminded that all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, right? God tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Okay, great. God's given me a green light every day. Now, there's this battle that's really going on between our fleshly desires and God's ways. By nature, we don't want to do God's ways. We don't want to be holy. We want to be a hellion. We're either building our wall of sins and living entrapped in them, or we're walking in the freedoms of God's grace and forgiveness. Now, don't get me wrong, we will sin, often. But when we do, the key part here is that we have to repent, which means we have to turn away from those sinful ways. We have to strive harder to follow God in his ways, leaning on the Holy Spirit for strength to do this. It says in uh, 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's also another command in the Bible that you find throughout that says, be holy 
as he is holy. No middle ground, folks. Okay, so we've made a decision to walk in righteousness with Jesus as our Lord. Great! But the battle is harsh, and I fail quite a bit, honestly. The world is ever before me, and it's real easy for me to go back to my old ways. This is the struggle that many poor pilgrims have during their journey. And unfortunately, we are weak in faith. The sojourner, us travelers, can fall a lot and sometimes not even get back up. Many souls are lost and littered along that very road that we travel on towards eternity with God. But know this, that God does provide us with a means and a way to faithfully arrive at his calling. First, he provides a helper to guide and strengthen us. God is faithful to be with us. Even for the Israelites that he brought up out of Egypt, God in his great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness, as it says in Nehemiah 9. Jesus promised that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit resides in us when we are Christians. And they, the Holy Spirit guides us and encourages us and shows us the darkened areas of our lives by illuminating the truth of God and his word to us. But that leads me to the second major part, the word of God, the Bible or scriptures, call it what you will. In our daily battles, like any good soldier, we need to be equipped to stand against the enemy of our souls and even defeat them. And sin is our number one enemy. It is the very cause of destruction in so many lives, those bricks I was telling you about. The enemy of God, the devil, wants us to sin against God. Plain and simple, he started from day one in the garden. God wants us to defeat sin in our lives. So, God provided his word to us, the Bible. And the Bible refers to the word of God as the sword of the spirit or the sword of truth. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty thing or every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, in Ephesians 6, God gives us this list of spiritual armor that we need to wear as we battle these forces of evil in this world. The weapon in our hand is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, in order to use any weapon, the first thing we have to do is physically pick it up in our hands. It would blow your mind to know how many professing Christians have Bibles littered throughout their homes yet have rarely, if ever, picked them up to read. And based on conversations I've had with people over many, many years, and a lot of these people have several Bibles, there are very few of these people that even have the slightest clue as to what's really inside those pages. The sword is worthless if it's sitting on a bookshelf or in a closet or tucked away in a drawer somewhere. The other issue is not just picking it up, but it's also how to use it. Once it's in your hand, you have to know what to do with it. As with anything, taking time to get acquainted with it is paramount. Anyone can pick up a Bible. But 
to know what it contains and where to look for truths to help you in your daily walk, that's just not something you know instantly. And I'm not talking about the cutesy little Bible stories people learned as they were growing up. There are 66 books contained within the covers of the Bible. Knowing what each book says and teaches takes time and effort. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or take some deep theology course to understand it, but you do need to open those pages and read it for yourself. And that Holy Spirit that I mentioned before, that helper, he's there to illuminate those words to you. I can't tell you how many times I've read something many, many times over the years, and then one day I read that same portion and all of a sudden, boom, I have this aha moment where it makes sense. So you have to do that. Now, another thing is that you shouldn't really rely solely on others for how to use that sword as well. And what I mean by is, is in today's technology-driven culture, people seem to resort to videos and Google to shortcut everything. Someone might go to a church once in a while and, you know, listen to a pastor teach and then Maybe watch some videos or read some cutesy little meme online and, you know, get this brief overview and they think they're ready for warfare. But none of that replaces knowing for yourself how to read and interpret the Word of God and apply it into your personal walk. Just as watching someone wield a sword on a video doesn't make you proficient to use one in an actual battle, the same goes with watching some 10-minute video of someone else's interpretation of Scripture that doesn't equip you for the battlefront. Even my little program here, Things I Preach to Myself, is really things I'm preaching to myself about because I like to look at all those little quick clips and these little cutesy things and go, yeah, that's great. But that doesn't equip me for the battlefront, for my spiritual walk. Now, this is not to say that listening and learning from others is wrong. On the contrary, just as in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch needed Philip's help to understand a portion of scripture he was struggling with, we all need helps understanding various parts of the Bible. That's why they have these thousands of different study Bibles and all these you know, things out there that are great resources and you know, aids and teaching things. But we have to read it for ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can open our eyes and our heart to receive those words and store them up inside. Psalm 119, uh, starting at verse 9, says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Here we go. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So, I say this because, you know, there's many great teachers and teaching aids out there to help us. But personally knowing the scriptures helps us identify what is right and what is wrong teaching. The devil uses many false teachers and preachers, many heretic churches, a lot of twisting of the scripture to knock our, these pilgrims off course and even bring them to ruin. So having a good personal study of the Bible strengthens us to stand firm in God's truth and avoid those lies from the enemy. The Jews that were in the city of Berea, they studied the word of God and would daily search the scriptures and compare what they were reading 
to what was being taught around them or presented to them. So like them, you and I, we have to take the time to personally search the scriptures. And that daily part, that's key. Now the Bible is right when it says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I get it. It's a struggle some days just to get out of bed. We struggle not only in our daily duties, you know, but we get flooded with the chaos of the world and, you know, eventually doubts and fears start to take hold of us and we get overwhelmed. And so, I mean, I personally pray almost continuously to God saying, I believe, help my unbelief. But the deeper God brings us through sanctification or that walk with him, the more we see our faults and weaknesses before him. And this helps us know where we need to focus and grow so we can draw closer to God. Can't get out of bed? Pray to God, okay? And it's through his word that he opens up those areas. One of God's commands to us that many overlook is written in various places, you know, that says, sanctify yourselves therefore. Like I mentioned before, be holy for I am holy. Huh. You know, he humbles me greatly daily to see my sins. He lifts me up by showing me his grace. Oh, that I may know him, follow him more, glorify him more. Each day it's a battle. We need to take it seriously and diligently. We first need to put down those bricks of sin, though, even the little ones. Life already gives us plenty of extra weight to carry every day. We don't need to add any more. Hebrews 12 says to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run the endurance, the race that's set before us. God sets a fountain to cleanse us from all sin and impurity. But if we continually return and wallow in the filth over and over, all we're essentially doing is denying Christ and rejecting his work on the cross. We also need to take up that sword of the Spirit, the word daily. Don't neglect it. How can anyone fight the good fight when they don't know where their weapon is or how to even use it? The great Puritan leader Richard Baxter said, Study hard, for the well is deep, and our brains are shallow. (laughs) Wow. There is so much to learn in our walk with God, and reading scripture with a glancing blow hardly ripples the surface of the truth within. As with gold, you must dig for the best deposits. You never become rich with just pebbles. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. God's wrath is being stayed by his love. Yes, for God did so love the world that he gave us a way to avoid that wrath to come. It was his son, Jesus, that whosoever shall believe in him will be saved. We commit ourselves to God through his son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by repenting of sins and getting baptized into a new life. But it doesn't end there. Be holy as he is holy. That's the challenge. That's where we dig into the word of God. That's where we continue to pray that God would open and reveal his word to us. Amen. 
This has been Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I really thank you for taking the time to listen to these broadcasts. They've been a learning experience for me as God has been revealing to me his word and his truth, and I pray that they are edifying and a blessing to you as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email me at canon for hire. That's all one word, canon for hire. 01 at gmail.com. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may you all be blessed richly with his truth. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Mm-hmm.